country. What a tremendous, tremendous first week it has been for the Alliance. Success across the board. It's just week one. Nine more regular season weeks are on the way. Whether or not spring football can ever be successful has been an ongoing question that various leagues have tried to answer over the years. The Alliance of American Football, or the AAF, was a league that aimed at giving players a second opportunity, who had seemingly missed their shot at playing professional football. Think a feeder to the NFL, and their approach was extremely innovative. What we want to do is we want to deliver a new experience to the fans, and so we are building the Alliance app you are going to be able to do, for the first time ever, integrated fantasy. The AAF began in 2019, and thus the Arizona Hotshots were born, one of eight teams across the country. And you may already know, those nine more weeks of the regular season were never completed. In this three-part series, we take a look back at the team that came and went before we knew it. The chaos in the league's final days, the way it represented much more than just football, and the lasting memories it left behind. I'm Chirsten Soussel, and this is PHNX The Story. A really good friend of mine, Tom Veet, who was our uh, chief business officer, you know, he and I uh, uh, have been friends for years. I actually uh, when I first met him, he was a general manager of the Orlando Rage back in the original XFL days. And my agency in Connecticut uh, worked with the uh, WWE back then and did three of the team branding programs. So Tom left there, went to the University of South Florida, um, called the uh, uh, president uh, of the XFL after it disbanded and said, Hey, who did our logo for the rage? And it was me and my agency. So I worked with Tom there at rebranding USF bulls. And then he and I've done a ton of different programs and he, you know, he was, he's very close with Charlie. He met Charlie when Charlie was doing the 30 for 30 on the XFL. Tom was one of the guys in, in the, uh, 30 for 30. And after the meeting, uh, uh, after that shoot, Charlie said to Tom, Hey, do you think this could work again? And Tom said, I think it can, but, but did, did, did all these things. So Tom said, Hey, there might be an opportunity for you, a new spring league. And I'm like, Oh, I rolled my eyes, another spring football league. Right. Um, eventually, uh, uh, as Charlie was out pounding the pavement for funding, um, things were really starting to click. That's Mark Jacobson, who goes by Jake. Charlie Ebersaw, the co-founder of the AAF, brought him on to be the head of brand. He's the guy who helped create all the names, the logos, and thus worked on all the branding for the entire league. He was just the 10th employee that was hired for the company. What people don't realize is we were really a tech business. People are like, what do you mean you're a tech business? So Charlie's real vision was to develop a technology platform that would broadcast our game in real time with no delays, no latency, so fans could bet on every play of every game in real time, which you can see what's going on in the world today of sports gaming. You know, I often joke, you know, we had some of the brightest minds in technology and um, our office was in San Francisco and what they were doing on this uh, uh technology side was was revolutionary like 
it was unbelievable. I mean, what I do is visual and people respond and react. What they're doing though is, you know, behind the scenes writing algorithms and, you know, I'd sit in meetings and the best example for me is like Goodwill Hunting when when um, Matt Damon goes into Harvard and this algorithms on the board, right? And literally, literally that's, that's what our guys would have. And I'd be like, what is that? Our deliverable was football. Um, but Charlie's dad, the legendary Dick Ebersol, he loved Charlie's idea, but he said, Charlie, you got to put real football on the field. And unless, because Charlie asked him for his help. He's like, I'll help you if you can get the best football mind in football on board. And that's Bill Polian, the Hall of Famer. So that was the, that was the assignment uh, Dick gave Charlie. And Charlie's like, okay, set up a meeting with, with Bill. Went and met him and Bill has a place that lives in, in, in the Cape, I think, in the summer. Met with him for breakfast and he said six hours later, Bill was on board. Because uh, Bill also had visions of what a football league should be for players and coaches. And, and Charlie had what on the fan side. It was really just a, a wonderful mix. And Charlie went back to his dad and said, hey, Bill signed. And that kind of got things rolling. So I was brought on by the Arizona franchise. We were unnamed at the time in the fall of 2018. I was really confident in the league's formation. I don't think it was a giant a bill of goods that I was sold, but it was one of those scenarios where they said, here's what we're trying to do. And I'd read about that a little bit. Here are where is where the capital's coming from. I'd read about that too. It's backed by Loctite venture capitalists who have deep pockets and weren't going to be stingy in the terms of they wanted to see this work. And they thought, this is how it was billed to me. This could potentially uh, be a viable sale to the NFL in, you know, less than less than five or six seasons. Because if it worked the way they thought it would with quality of play, with great football people at the helm, television ratings, and also the use of a lot of new technology the NFL could just swoop in and say, we're either going to buy this league outright or we're going to put, you know, a 10, 20, 25 percent stake in this league to keep it viable because we're just plucking all of the great players from it or, you know, some other type of licensing or partnership agreement. Piece by piece, the alliance came together. They had their business plan, their TV deals, even the way the league was going to be different from a rules standpoint. For instance, the AAF got rid of kickoffs and extra points. They had their markets picked out, and the rest of the hiring process well underway. When it came to Arizona, former NFL GM and consultant Phil Savage was hired as the general manager. We now know guys like Joey Arteague came on board as well in 2018, a year before the league began play. And of course, you need your big-name head coach. I was at the Senior Bowl, and uh, Bill Polian came up to me. I was doing a radio show while he was doing a radio, radio row, if you will, right? And he said, I got to talk to you about something after uh, we're done. I said, sure. Uh, and he said, hey, they're going to start a new league. Uh, I want you to be one of the coaches. And we're going to pick which towns we're going to be in. And I said, well, if I get to have a say in where I'm going to go, you count me in. because." Listen, I played in a spring league. I played in the old USFL. Uh, so I know how much fun it was. I wasn't, you know, doing it to try to make a bunch of money. I was doing it because I love coaching and I know how much fun 
that spring stuff can be because how try hard the players are. They, this is their last chance, right? Rick Neuheisel came on board to become the head coach of the Hot Shots. He not only played the game, but has decades of coaching experience in both college and the NFL. He's also a graduate of McClintock High School in Tempe, the city the Hot Shots played their games in. For many reasons, he was the perfect fit. I told the coaching staff, the guys that I hired to come along with me, that we had two rules. Work hard. We were going to be prepared. We were going to give these kids the best possible chance to prolong their careers and hopefully make the jump to the NFL. So there was going to be no shortage of work ethic, but we were, we were going to laugh. We were not, if anybody got in, in an argument or got ridiculous because of turf wars or what have you, you were getting bounced because I didn't have time for it. But before the team ever took the field, there was one more very important detail that needed to be revealed. Their name, their logo, their identity. And the talented folks in charge of branding nailed it with the hot shots, at least in my opinion. I remember watching the logo reveals on live stream on a social media platform, and uh, no one in our office, maybe 12, 13 full-time employees, had any idea what our team was going to be named. We didn't know if it was going to be Phoenix or Arizona. We didn't know if it was going to be an animal or something representing our skyline or our uh, mountainous regions uh, or, or our climate. But when I saw the hot shots pop up on the screen, I was instantly excited and, you know, felt a heaviness. Hot shots are wildland firefighters. The team name meant to honor them as well as all first responders. But there was a specific group, the Granite Mountain Hotshots that resonated the most with the community here in Arizona. 19 of 20 members of the crew lost their lives in 2013, fighting the Yarnell Hill Fire, the deadliest fire in the state's history. As you can imagine, the name carried an enormous amount of responsibility. This was something that took a hold of our community for a very long time in a period of um, a lot of strife and uncertainty. There was, you know, a summer filled with, you know, a ton of wildfires that, you know, really struck a lot of communities throughout um, not just the valley, but the entire state of Arizona. And I know that Charlie Ebersol and the team um, back in San Francisco who formulated uh, these these team brands, these eight team logos and, and names, they did a lot of work in trying to figure out what's important to the marketplaces that the teams are playing in. I wanted to make sure we reached out to local fire people to make sure they didn't feel like we were taking advantage of them um, and wanted to play off of their tragedy. And that was not the case whatsoever. We wanted to honor them. And we, you know, you kind of looked at what does it take to be a hotshot? And we look at all those characteristics of, of, of them, like, man, that's who we want on our field. Right. So we always went into that was probably the most sensitive of everything because we didn't want to look like that we were uh, 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 monetizing their name in any way without paying the respect that they all deserve, not only them in Arizona, um, but globally hot shots. Right. I mean, they're they're I can't you know, I kind of relate them to the um, Navy SEALs. Right. They're they're a special breed. And what happened 
to uh, the folks here in Arizona was obviously tragic. But, you know, as we started to roll it out from coaches to players, like they really felt they felt a part of of being a hotshot. Like a lot of the players were like, God, I, I'm not worthy. Right. And we're like, but that's the kind of attitude we want to put on the field. And I'll pay respect to these guys. And uh, you as an athlete, a football player, you can do that through a, a number of different ways. There's no question that we took that seriously. Uh, I mean, it, at first, it, it was a very cool name, the Hot Shots, right? But then you realize the story of the firefighters and what they meant and how we lost some of them in a terrible uh, fire I think we all realize, you know what, this is this is a very, very worthwhile cause. And we took a lot of pride in the 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 axes on the helmet and so forth. Uh, there's no question that we felt a kinship towards that uh, that very, very courageous group. They were all a labor of love. Obviously, the hot shots was a special one for us. And, you know, the colors uh, all the way down to the uniform design, you know, those are the colors of the uniforms that the hotshots wear when they're when they're going to battle these fires, wildfires. So, you know, everything, everything paid tribute and respect to the lives and the uh, profession uh, that these guys and gals uh, put out every day. Another way the group wanted to honor the Granite Mountain Hotshots was to retire the number 19. So that really started at the league level. We knew that, you know, we, did, we wanted to make sure we knew when the time was right to do it. Uh, no one was going to wear that number. We were going to retire that number. That was, again, part of the master plan of introducing the Hotshots. Now, we never told anyone about it because we wanted it to be special, Um so yeah, no, that was a league-wide, top-down, we got to do that. The number was retired, and the families of the 19 heroes were honored during halftime on March 3rd of 2019. There's moments in your life that you won't forget, and how appreciative they were of us recognizing them and us honoring them in the way we did, not only that night, but uh, with the name throughout the season, always talking about we're in it for those guys and gals and family members. And um, that's an extra special one for us uh, uh, with the league in great memories, great memories in, in everything. But the Hot Shots certainly have a special place in my heart. And I can tell you, everyone at the league level uh, all the way down was like, that was uh that was a great, uh, a great partnership with those guys and great way to honor them. And that was just such a cool experience. Like, you know, them saying like, thank you and how much it meant to them. And, you know, we're just out here playing football, like not really thinking much of it, but it was definitely, it was super cool. That was such a super cool experience. And, you know, it just kind of meant more, you know, meant more with like being a hot shot and like what that actually stood for. When it came to filling out the roster, many players like receiver Richard Mullaney came to the league seeking their next opportunity. Thought about maybe going to Canada playing, thought about 
you know, hoping for another opportunity, then heard about this league and, you know, it was in the States and I was like, yeah, shoot, let's, you know, give it a try. For others, the league called them. Robert Nelson, a.k.a. Nelly Prime, former ASU star cornerback, was someone who the league pursued. And it took some convincing to get him on board because initially he wasn't interested. They was just like, please. They was begging me for months and months and months, like before the league was even up. They was like, Robert, like, uh, uh, in the NFL, you know. And um, it just got to the point, a couple of my guys were shot. Ross called me, Raheem Moore called me. And they was just like, bro, you gonna, you gonna play in the league? I'm like, no, bro, I'm not playing in that, da da da. This the reason I just was balling with the Saints, da da da. You know, I'm going into my. I'm trying to get a contract with the league. Like, they don't even, it's not even going to be fun. They don't even have enough money to pay me, bro. Like, I get 50000 a game. You know, it was just comparing, like, I get what they're going to pay me in a year in two weeks. Like, I'm putting my body through that for this. I'm going to have to take care of my body. Like, but you're in Arizona. So when they said that, I was just like, dang, yeah, I will be, you know, this my home. Nelson was in a situation that most of the players were not, and as a result, the majority of them were thrilled with the way the pay was structured. That league was built on the idea that everybody was going to get paid the same. Everybody was going to get paid the same, uh, and if you hit some incentives, then you'd get bonuses. Uh, And everybody was happy. Everybody was thrilled with the idea of the opportunity. Everybody wanted their, you know, the worst part of the job was to go around to the locker room and tell who was active and who was inactive. And you should have seen the coaches arguing and, you know, kind of jostling to get all their guys active because they cared for them so much. And you can't show the NFL you're a player if you're on the sideline. It was the worst portion of the league that we actually said anybody was inactive. The Arizona Hotshots, Rick Neuheisel, Phil Savage, are on the clock. They elected to pick, which I think surprised us a little bit, guys, that they didn't go with the man at the top of that list, Mike Bercovici. The quarterbacks were also in a different situation entirely. The league held a quarterback draft with the first round, including a pick or protect method. They opted not to protect former ASU Sun Devil Mike Bercovici, and instead drafted Trevor Knight with their first pick, and John Wolford, who just won a Super Bowl with the Rams, with their second. We were all in Las Vegas for that, and I had kind of, listen, I think Mike Berkovici is a heck of a player. Uh, we had a little bit of a difference of opinion on who should be our top quarterback choice. Uh, Trevor Knight was the guy that most settled on. I was a John Wolford guy. Uh, and you know, Phil Savage, my pal, who's the, was the coordinator, excuse me, the, the, uh, general manager said, Wolford will be there for our second pick. He convinced me that he would be there. So I acquiesced, uh, and when Wolford was there, I was thrilled and then we'd let it play out on the field and Johnny ended up winning the job. Uh, but Trevor showed that we were going to utilize him some way in the, uh, game plan. Uh, So it, it all worked itself out. Coming up next. We were all thinking this thing's about to go off the cliff into the edge of disaster in a football sense. Never mind the business part. 
and we ended up winning the game. But the whole flight home, he's up in the front of the plane playing the guitar. He was the happiest guy I've ever seen. The league gets going, and everything is looking up for the hot shots. 100%. We were, we were cooking with oil, as they say. We were on all cylinders. But little did they know, it would all come crashing down. That's next on The Story.